the Office of Personnel Management, so much in the microscope the last couple of years, would be largely dismantled by the Trump administration. My next guest argues OPM should indeed be dealt with, but by Congress, and not for necessarily the obvious reasons. Jeff Neal is a senior vice president at ICF and former chief human capital officer at Homeland Security, and he joins me now. And Jeff, you are saying that OPM does indeed have crumbling foundations, as you put it, that Congress ought to deal with. What's your thesis on all of this? Hi, Tom. Well, my belief is that OPM has been on a very bad and unsustainable path for a long time, uh, basically since the early 1990s when the National Performance Review took a look at OPM and at a lot of so-called system control agencies and jobs and basically gutted them. So if you recall, what happened was uh, the Clinton administration had this reinventing government initiative, and they were looking at all kinds of things. And they went through OPM, and they said that the OPM Federal Personnel Manual was I think Jim King, the director at the time, said it was all but incomprehensible. So the solution wasn't to make it comprehensible. It was to do away with it. They said that OPM was a system control agency and that they got in the way of letting agencies, other agencies do their missions. So they really whacked the budget of OPM and the staffing, got rid of a lot of jobs. They uh, spun off the... um, the training to what turned into uh, a chunk of the USDA graduate school. And they spun off background investigations into uh, a private organization that was an employee-owned company that ended up over the years uh, costing the government $250 million a year. Then the company was charged with fraud and went bankrupt. So that didn't work out very well. And they said they were going to make it really easy for people to hire folks and they were going to use all kinds of new technology and things were going to be great. Yeah, they all say that. And of course, none of that happened. And they uh, and they said that, you know, agencies would be able to do a lot of these things on their own. But of course, they didn't delegate the authority to agencies to do that. And even if they had, they had gutted the HR offices in federal agencies by cutting them by 50 percent, which was their goal. So what you end up with is an OPM that's that's very reliant on selling services now. That was the other thing they did. Is they, they turned a lot of OPM into fee-for-service. And that way people would only buy the things they wanted to buy. So now you end up with this agency, OPM, that writes regulations. They sell services to people to implement the regulations they wrote. And then they provide oversight merit systems oversight to the agencies who are using the regulations that OPM wrote and sold services on. And so, you know, it's pretty, pretty easy to figure out that that's an organizational conflict of interest that was built into the system at that point. And that is pretty much the structure that has been in place ever since with only minor modification. That's correct. And so, and the problem you have with that is that OPM is incredibly reliant on those revolving funds, on the fee-for-service work. And they've already there's already been a decision to move a big chunk of that, the background investigation work, to the Department of Defense. And every senior executive I've talked with in OPM current or previous, tells me that without that fee-for-service revenue coming into the agency, OPM will struggle to carry out its mission because that that 
non-appropriated money actually covers an enormous amount of the overhead of running the agency. And so for years, they've been telling me, look, if we lose the revolving fund money, we can't carry out the mission of the agency. And so what's going to happen is a billion dollars is going to leave OPM, leave the revolving fund and go to DOD. The proposal is to move a lot of the rest of the revolving fund money to GSA this year, and then OPM is left unable to carry out its mission. So, so my belief is that OPM definitely needs to be reviewed by, by Congress, and they need to do something with it. Sure. They either need to decide sure. to move it, or if they decide to keep it where it is, they need to decide to fund it appropriately so it can actually carry out its mission without going out hat in hand and selling its services to to other federal agencies. We're speaking with Jeff Neal, senior vice president at ICF and former chief human capital officer at Homeland Security. But say it was funded and that need went away, would the funded entity be effective and useful to federal agencies? I think it could be. OPM, before the National Performance Review gutted it, was actually a pretty effective agency. I, I recall when federal HR people would call OPM all the time to talk about issues and how to fix things and how to interpret regulations. There were experts there you could talk to. There were folks who really knew this stuff inside and out, and they've lost the focus on doing that kind of work over the years. The Trump administration has proposed putting a lot of the policy function into the Office of Management and Budget, the White House, in effect. And that never struck me as the best idea because of how close one burner is on the non-political front to the boiling pots on the political front. That could be done. If it's done the right way, it could be done effectively. You know, we, we basically have that kind of model for procurement policy. There's a a presidential appointee, Senate confirmed, in the White House, uh, who's the director of the Office of Federal Procurement Policy. And that job owns a small staff. And then they work with a group at GSA and at DOD and a couple other agencies to actually write federal procurement policy. But my worry on what the administration has proposed with OPM is they're not putting enough policy people in OPM. You know, we're talking literally about a handful of people, and I don't think a handful of people can carry out that policy responsibility. If they moved a group of, you know, 20 or 25 really capable HR policy people into the White House, they might be able to pull that off and actually make it work effectively. And when I say that, a lot of times people, when they've heard this proposal, they say, well, you know, this is just the Republicans trying to gut the civil service. Not really. You know, the Clinton campaign talked about the same idea of basically doing away with OPM and putting a lot of the work in GSA. And the Obama administration talked about doing away with OPM and putting a lot of the work in GSA. So a lot of people have recognized that there are issues with OPM and they keep going back to the solution of, well, why don't we just put a lot of, a lot of this stuff in GSA? So that, that idea has come from Republicans and Democrats alike. Uh, the Democrats won't admit it right now, but Democrats have talked about the same idea. So it's, it, they shouldn't make this a, a partisan issue. Uh, they should make it a good government issue and, and look at what is the best way to get the work of OPM accomplished. You know, if I were king of the world, I would keep OPM as a freestanding agency. I would adequately resource it. 
and I would get rid of all the fee-for-service work so they're not having to to sell services and then oversee that work through the oversight process. But at least somebody needs to look at how OPM is funded. If, if it's not changed, if we just take OPM and move most of it to GSA and a tiny bit to, to the White House, that doesn't solve the underlying funding problem. It doesn't solve the underlying organizational conflict of interest. So it takes OPM's problem and turns it into GSA's problem but it doesn't solve the problems that the federal civil service is facing that are only going to be solved with a very healthy central personnel agency. Jeff Neal is former chief human capital officer at Homeland Security. Let's see if they're listening. Thanks so much for joining me. Happy to be here. We'll post a link to his column and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive when you want by subscribing at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. 56 past the hour. This is the Federal Drive with Tom Temin. Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. Ricola. It's in our nature. 